Hey y'all, she's back. That's right. I will be talking to Ebony Donley in this upcoming episode and she is going to be talking about that reading and writing connection all right we need to get our children into writing just like into reading so you all stay tuned for another awesome conversation with ebony donnelly on real reading talk all right hello everyone and welcome to another episode of real reading talk I am your most gracious host, Ms. Sasha. And with Real Reading Talk, I discuss the real systemic issues that are at the very core, the very foundation as to why there are low levels of literacy in the Black community and the ways in which we can combat these issues together. All right, with all of that being said, y'all, I have an awesome guest on my show and trust and believe this is not her first rodeo, okay, on this show, all right? We was talking about before we uh, started recording, like, wait a minute, I said I said she'd been on here about four times, she said three. So you know I gotta go back and, and check, right? You know what I'm saying? See, which, see who's right, was it three or four? Whatever the case, all right? I'm just so thankful that she accepts my invitation and that she just loves to come back on and we just have such dope, awesome conversations. Just like I told her, I said, Hey, listen, when you are on, it's like, that's when my podcast gets the most views. I'm like, so look, <laughs> I'm going where to go at <laughs> for real. All right. So with all that being said, let me give uh, the introduction of the beautiful, phenomenal, educated, brilliant black sister, Miss Ebony Donnelly. Okay. Welcome. Thank you for having me. And now that I think back on it, I do think for this is the fourth time. Okay. Now that I think back on it, I do think you're right. <laughs> hey, listen, like I said, you know, I'm just so grateful that you come on because you are always giving us a wealth of knowledge by you being an educator for 22 years, y'all. Y'all hear me? And you see how young she looked. I mean, it's like 22 years. I mean, seriously, like, like, really? Okay, so Black don't crack, okay? And she is an intervention specialist, and she also has her own tutoring business, okay? Literacy innovations, y'all. And look, y'all see that? And she's a, you're a, a coach. Aren't you a life coach now? Life coach, literacy coach, all of the above. Uh, come on, y'all. Life coach, literacy coach, okay? And, she, and, She's an author, okay? She didn't write just one book. She wrote two books, okay? And I'm quite sure she probably got another one on the on the works or something, you know what I'm saying? You know, Ebony is just like it. a hardworking sister, all right? And I'm just so glad that you are here again on the show because we are about to get into the conversation involving literacy and, of course, talking about, and when we're talking about literacy, we're talking about reading. A lot of times we talk about literacy, you know, we tend to just focus like on the reading aspect. For this episode, we're definitely going to focus a lot on writing, all right? Because writing is like that sister to reading. And one of the things that we're dealing with uh, in our communities, and of course, when I say our communities, I'm talking about Black people first. Yes, indeed. Okay. A lot of our young people 
are not doing so great when it comes to writing. In fact, I had got information from an educator uh, in East Cleveland who said that the East Cleveland school district, they scored the lowest out of the whole state when it comes to writing the kids did there. Okay. Now this is at a middle school I was at. All right. So with all of that being said, um, you know, we have to get to work and we know we are in this technological space and a lot of our kids are texting a lot. You know, they are, you know, they just on those devices. So they're not actually getting a lot of that practice of writing in. But so what I want to do first, uh, cause I'm just giving you all a little taste of what we're about to get into I would love for Ebony to just share some more about herself and, you know, tell us about your background. Tell us, uh, you know, for those who are newbies, they, this is their first time listening. You know, they need to know a little bit more about you from you. Okay, well, I think you did an awesome job, by the way, but I am Ebony Donnelly. I am an educator for the city of Cleveland. I'm born and raised in Cleveland, and it was very important for me to work for the Cleveland School District because I wanted some of the teachers that I had and then also some of the teachers that I didn't have. So I felt as if our kids needed some teachers that they could relate to because all the times we cannot. And so I wanted to be that teacher that was going to be relatable. And then, too, it's like I've been where you are, like. I work in the Collinwood neighborhood. I live in the Collinwood neighborhood. And it's like, I'm not coming from a place that's so different from where they are. So that was important to me. That was important to me when I made the decision to become an educator. I had teachers that really impacted me, but the ones who impacted me the most were not really the ones who I thought would impact me, which is, which is very interesting. Because sometimes you see somebody who you feel like you have nothing in common with and they tell you something and you're like, oh, okay. So I wanted to be that for my students. And I've been working with um, kids with multiple disabilities since I was 16. So that's when I made the decision actually to be a teacher because I always wanted to be an attorney before that. But so when I started working for the Help Foundation and I was working with um, you know, they had their multiple disabilities. So there was everything from autism to, you know, behavioral things and kids that needed to be too fed. And I was like, I kind of just got into that from the time I was 16. So when I went to Collinwood, I became a peer tutor in our um, MH classrooms at the time. So I did that, pursued obviously a career in education where I did um, elementary and special education at the same time. So when I graduated, I had teaching licenses in elementary and special education. I went back to school to get a master's in curriculum where I focused on reading. So there, there's the reading endorsement because I knew that was a key piece because after teaching for just two years, I saw, I was like, oh, the reading is a big deal because I started off teaching in like fourth and fifth grade rooms. And so eventually I started doing sixth, seventh and eighth. And I was just seeing that the kids were just having a problem with reading, with accessing the information. And so I was like, okay, I can do this. And so I would make gains with the kids. And plus, I always would tutor people after school. And I also tutor like almost every kid in my family if they needed it. And so I was just interested in that. I'm like, listen, let me let me show you this. Just things that I knew just from like growing up, like 
my family teaching me, I was like, let me show you all this because you don't want to see kids struggle because then they don't love it because then it becomes stupid. So that's, I did all of that. I told you all of that just to show you that's why I'm so passionate about literacy because I'm still seeing the decline. Hmm. You know, with everything that's going on, it's still declining and all of these things keep coming out and you think we're going to make gains and we're just not. And specifically in like the urban communities, we're just not, we're going backwards even. Wow. Oh my goodness. You, first of all, it's just amazing. We've had a plethora of conversations. All right. On, of course, talking extensively on the podcast, talk, talking extensively in person and, you know, on the phone, all about what you say. And it's like, I'm still always learning something new about you and what you have done and how you started. Like even like I don't I didn't know that you were a peer tutor in high school. I'm like and, and you know, really, the first thing that went off in my head when you said that I said, OK, is that something that they are still offering in high schools? Are they doing things like that, you know, to, you know, I mean, it's like that, that aspect of you doing something to help other students in high school while you were in high school. I'm like, those are ways in which our kids get to see, okay, you know what? I think I may want to do this. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, that's the kind of, I mean, it's, it's, it's like that on the job training, you know what I'm saying? If you will, it's like, you're getting exposed to, you know, an, an avenue that you wind up deciding you wanted to take. And I think right there, I mean, that is just phenomenal, you know, and, and even with the fact of you saying that you were working with children who have multiple disabilities at that young age, and you decided that that is the avenue that you wanted to pursue. First of all, that's very, very commendable uh, because we definitely need more advocacy, you know, for our youth who do have those special abilities. And, you know, shout out to my son, Musa, you know, who is on the autism spectrum. And that's definitely something that, you know, I've been pushing for, you know, consistently. And in fact, just a little, just to say a little piece of that, he literally just got the diagnosis of autism. He's 16, about to be 17. He just got the diagnosis uh, this year. All right. And, and I, you know, me and his dad, we definitely had saw signs back with like about 10 years ago that it was, oh no, you know what I'm saying? But, but, but just to say, basically to be an advocate, that's the whole point that, you know, the reason why I'm saying that. And I love the fact, you know, how you are, I mean, you just, you have that passion, that drive to want to help our children. So the people want to know where, where did that come from? How did you grow up, you know, in, in your household to where that was something that made you be like, okay, you know, I don't want to be an educator. You said at first you want to be a lawyer. We know you got a mouthpiece on you so people can see that <laughs> they can hear that you, you could talk. Okay. And you know what you're talking about. So that really what's, that's what really sticks. So tell everybody how you grew up. Well, I grew up in a family where we love to read. You know, all of us read it. Everybody. There was nobody that didn't read. You know, we weren't a big TV family. Like we did watch TV, but this all day TV watching, that's not how we did it. And plus back then, you know, you didn't have a TV in every room. You know, now there's a TV in every room. You had like one 
I know in our house, we had a TV in the family room. And then I think maybe my mother had a TV in her room or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I know I definitely didn't have a TV in my room. Mm -hmm. And so we read and we had books and I had coloring. I mean, every kind of book imaginable, you know, and I just developed a love of reading. And I've said it before, like, and then I was like, almost addicted to stationary, like I'm paper and pencils and notebooks, you know, you got to have a spiral notebook, you got to have composition books, then you need this one because it has the pretty cover, you know, and I just had all of that. And I had all kind of books, books on tapes, you know, just, I just had a lot of stuff. And my family encouraged that. But again, we come from a family of readers. And what I love about my family is that they didn't tell me what to read. They allowed me to read, but they didn't tell me what to read. So everybody read something different, but everybody was reading. You know, we don't like the same genre of books. Even now, like when we're reading right now, my father's going to read something that's more informational, nonfiction. We already know I'm going to read romance. <laughs> and, you know, like my aunt, she likes to read about like vampires and werewolves and stuff like that but we all read. Wow. And then one of my aunts in Georgia, she kind of gets into like low country Christian fiction type of situation. But yeah, but I just grew up doing a lot of reading, being around a love of reading. We had those good old encyclopedias in our house. Mm -hmm. We had dictionaries because my mother was not going to continue to spell words for you. She was a horrible speller anyway. But, you know, she would be like, look it up. I'm like, how? I don't know how to. She like sounded out. I'm like, how? Do? But, you know, all of that, it, it taught us how to do that. And then if all else fails, just ask my older brother, you know, because either way, my mother wasn't going to do it for me. And so... <laughs> She's like, do some research, find some stuff out. So I just grew up like that with a love of reading from my whole family. I mean, my father read everything from newspaper articles. Like I had the highlight magazines, you name it. Just, I just had everything. And then too, I like other stuff dealing with words, not just reading. Um, Like word searches, I love to do stuff like that. Any kind of word puzzle. The only thing I don't like to do is play Scrabble. But anything else, right, but everything else related to reading and writing, I love it. I love it. And like I said, I was able to do it. I stayed creating a, a story in a book and, you know, all of that. Like, I used to always do that. And a lot of times, like, my family would be, like, the main characters, you know, at, wow. at the time. You know, because you just do stuff like that. But like I said, we did a lot of stuff. And even when I was younger, like I always traveled because we had family from out of state too. So it's like you get to see different stuff when you're traveling. You know, also because my father's from Georgia, my mother was from Mississippi. And so just always going somewhere, doing something different, having new experiences really. And so I might see a tree in Georgia that we don't have here that I like that I might research. Because I might want to know, why do they have all the peach trees in Georgia, but none in Ohio? Or, you know, like something like that would like really ca capture my attention. And so I will do the research. Wow, man. I mean, and all of these things that you're talking about, Ebony, I mean, I've definitely talked about this in my other episodes to where we have to make sure that our children are immersed with many different experiences. 
we have to make sure that we're doing that because what it does is just like how you talked about all of these different experiences, you talked about the, you know, being immersed in the, the type of books and seeing your family reading and going to travel and all of that. I mean, those who, those of you who are able to watch the podcast, just seeing your, your eyes light up when you talk about this and just seeing how you just, you know, go back. It's like, you're going back in time and you're just like painting the picture for us. And we're like, Oh man, that, that's how I was doing. I'm like, wow, man. Like, I mean, the creativity that reading does. And even the fact of you talking about even just the word searches, that is an aspect as well that we need to get back to uh, with our young people. I mean, it's just, it's just so many benefits to making sure that we are impressing upon our children, even in this technological space, they can still get into reading. You know, like you, even if they're reading online, you can still read along. And you even talked about too, how you listen to books on tape. And I remember, you know, in school having that, like I said, you know, for those of you, this is your first time listening, you know, I'm in awe in hearing Ebony talk about her childhood experiences when it comes to literacy, because I did not grow up in that space. All right. You know, I, again, I did not grow up reading. I did not grow up seeing my parents read. Now they were for education. That's one thing that black folks, you know, for the most part, we don't play. We, we gonna make sure our kids educated and we had the a set of encyclopedias. All right. Especially you and our, in our age group, you in that 40 age group, <laughs> you know about the encyclopedias. Okay. Go look it up. Like she said, that's right. So you've been going in there looking up different things in the encyclopedia, but however, just having that culture of literacy, that is something that I definitely want to see our families get into. We need to bring that back because that is a part of our culture, our history, the conversations. I'm quite sure you got memories of having conversations with your family going down South, having those experiences, seeing, you know, maybe grandparents or aunts, uncles, whoever cooking or, you know, doing whatever, somebody may be building something, whatever, all of those different things that right there contributes to those experiences, which is going to help build those foundational reading skills that our children need. Now I want to step into, because I know, I, I know you got, we on a time constraint y'all. And this is, let me, <laughs> let me blame myself because we were having technical difficulties. We were supposed to start a little earlier and Ebony, she has some tutoring she got to do. So we about to do a little segue into a topic that I mentioned before in the beginning in terms of the writing aspect, how writing is like that sister to reading. Now, Ebony, you talked about how, you know, you love to write, you have stationary. Please tell her, and then too, I want you to tell, especially for our young people, they're probably like, stationary? What's that? <laughs> Station? <laughs> you know, oh. you know, so you need, you need to tell everybody, number one, why is it so important for us to get our children into writing? And for those kids who are not, you know, into writing, how, how to get them started? Do you know what I'm saying? Into uh, doing something that a lot of our youth are lacking in. Number one, writing is a, a great way to express yourself. You know, even if you're only expressing yourself to yourself, like journaling, or a diary or something like that. Writing is just a great way to get your thoughts out on paper. But I think sometimes we want it to make sense. It doesn't always have to be perfect. You know, sometimes you could just jot it down, like, like pre-write, just 
fragments of ideas really but they will eventually come together like if you keep at it those ideas will come together and so I think it's important that we do that and I think I think the reason why some of the kids don't really like to write I think we've scarred them because as soon as they start as adults we're like capital letter you need a capital letter oh you need a period it's like sometimes when they sit there to do something here we go as adults, and I'm not saying as teachers, I'm just saying as adults, because that's kind of like how we were taught. You know, we were raised like that. However, I think sometimes we have done that. And I think we have helped to stunt their growth because it's really about idea generation. You know, it's really about idea generation. But if I'm so busy worried about these capital letters and this punctuation, which is important, but it's not the primary thing that we should think about. because it's important for us to note when, when our kids are taking these tests, you know, we talk about these tests all the time. We're not really a fan necessarily. However, that spelling and those capital letters and that punctuation, that's at the end of the rubric. That's at the end. That's worth the least amount of points. So our kids can have a perfectly written piece as far as the way it looks and they can be saying nothing because we have to show them how to remain on a topic. Because a lot of times what happens is we write like we speak. We're very conversational people. So we're talking. And you know what we'll say? Um, so just 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 an on an on another note, or as an aside, we'll go somewhere else, but we know how to bring it back. We bring it back. We're conversational. However, when we do that when we're writing, guess what? We don't understand our thesis statement. We're not supporting what I said. We're all over the place. We don't know what we're talking about. So we have to get out of that. You know, here's the topic. Say what you're going to say. Say what you know about the topic and stay with it. We have to teach our kids how to bring evidence in. Bring your evidence in, but you can't, you can't go off script. Like our kids are notorious. They can be reading about a bird and they'll be like, oh, because my brother had a pet bird. We're not talking about your brother's pet bird right now. That's nice. However, we're talking about these two sources that you just read about birds and taking care of birds. And, you know, your prompt is about how our birds differ from other pets. So then, therefore, that's what you need to talk about. And when they say right from both sources, that means both things. You can't just talk about one. You have to do both. And I think sometimes our kids just kind of miss the mark. They just missed the mark, but I think it's because it's a skill that's not taught as much. That's when you really find out what somebody knows. So it's not, and then we have a problem with being redundant. We'll say the same thing three different ways because we don't know what else to say. But if we show them how to say something else and be intentional and stop using the fillers, you know, we, we can't use the fillers. Um, as a matter of fact, or I think, say what you know. Say what you know. They ask you a question, answer it, yes or no. Or they ask you, how are birds different? Birds are different from other animals because this. I learned this. I read this. They have to be able to dissect that and pull that information out. And we just have to teach them. But one of the things we can do is we can make sure that when they engage in conversation, they engage in conversation. Like, don't let them go all the way back. Always bring it back. 
like when I'm talking to somebody, I'm bringing it back. Okay, so what did you say? So what were we talking about? Okay, come back. We'll talk about that later. But like right now, we're talking about, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. So we'll we'll talk about that, your your uncle and what he did later. But like right now, let's talk about the subject at hand. And so we have to start doing more of that redirecting and then allowing them to put their ideas on paper before we have something to say. Sometimes they get two sentences down and it's like, we're almost antagonistic sometimes. That's all you get out of everything you read. That's all you have. And I think we have to stop that. And parents, oh, parents are going to hate this, but they do it the most. Parents do it the most. And it's it's to the point like when I'm when I'm tutoring a, a, a child and sometimes I'll have the parent I want to show the, the parent a strategy and I'll be like listen but you can't say anything like I don't want you to say anything I want you to observe because as soon as their kid gets to doing something guess what the parent is you should know that we talked about that but we can't do that we can't do that because I think we don't understand how we're just because with each one, they're just clamming up because now they're unwilling to try. Now they're not going to do it. And you know what they're going to say? I'm not a good writer. I don't understand. And that's not the case. You know, that's not the case. And we just have to teach them that there are different types of writings. There's a time for creative writing. You know, you can write a narrative, but then sometimes there's a time where you have to do more like an essay. And we have to show them what that means. Your introduction, you have to come out strong because if you come out acting like you know what you're talking about, that's half the battle already. So you can't go on a tangent. You can't deviate. You have to stick to what you're talking about, the topic. Once you do that, then you're ready to go. And that's what you're saying about reading and writing going hand in hand because all good readers are not good writers, but they have read enough to where they understand. They're like, oh, okay. So they understand figurative language maybe a little more than people who don't read. You know, they understand because they're able to look at a piece of writing. They're like, oh, this is an essay. This is a letter. Oh, this is poetry. Oh, this is a recipe. But some people can't do that because they don't have the exposure. They just don't have the exposure like that. So that's what I'm saying, that the exposure is important. And then we can show, I'm like, okay, so we read this. So now I was asking you this. Okay, so with that being said, remember what they told you? I'm gonna keep bringing this bird example. Remember what, what when they said, don't feed birds, bird seed, you know, but what, what did they rather eat? Okay, oh, I didn't know that birds ate chicken. You know, that floored me, anything like that. So like things like that, you kind of have to, we have to do more of that because that's how we get them to think critically. And that's how we get them to write. Mm. Mm. Oh my goodness. You said, you just dropped so many valuable jewels. I mean, and I'm just going to start off with the first thing in terms of you talking about remaining on topic. That right there is super key. Oh my goodness remaining on topic and being able to come out strong. I made sure I wrote that down. And when you come out strong, like you said, that's half the battle right there. And then we are, we definitely have to be about teaching our children about what research looks like. 
making sure that they understand, okay, well, even with the aspect, like you said, in terms of them having two sources, them showing right there that, yeah, you're going to have to have multiple sources, especially when you are trying to write about particular topics, research topics. You can't just use just one person's, uh, you know, their research. You got to check around or whatever. So them being able to have that focus and discipline, because that's what I'm hearing, Ebony, that a lot of our children, a lot of them lack that. And and it's not just because of the fact, oh, okay, they're kids. I mean, we're, again, dealing with the technological, you know, era. Then we're also dealing with people too. You know, it's like, hey, you're immersed on, you got the social media now, you know what I'm saying? You know, we got all of these different things that are just stimulating, just coming at you to where I would say that that probably is contributing to the lack of focus. What would you, what would you say to that? Um, I think Helping more to anything. More, mm -hmm. more than anything, I think what's happening is that it's difficult. Mm -hmm. Reading is difficult. Writing is difficult. Mm -hmm. And I okay. think when something is difficult for us, we naturally want, we want a distraction. We want something to take us away from mm -hmm. something that we already know that we struggle with. Mm -hmm. we, we're, we're looking for something to be a reason as just cause why we couldn't do it. But the thing is, we can. The kids can. And because before they even have to do research, they'll give them something that they have to read. So it's important. Show them how to pull out some information. It could even be a recipe. You can really be at home making cookies. I can say this because your daughter made those bomb cookies that one time. Remember that? Yeah. But so, right. So you can be reading a recipe. You might be like, so what are they called for? Okay, so how much of this? Okay, how much of this? Okay, how do we know? What do you think will happen if we didn't put such and such in? Anything like anything like that, because you just want them to understand what's going on. Because some of these things that they have to read, say for instance, sequencing is an issue that our kids have a problem with. And so there's a standard that says something about procedures and, you know, a lot of jargon, but basically it means understand like cause and effect and how mm -hmm. events contribute to another event. Right. And so not only do they have to be able to read that and make that make sense, they have to be able to write in that way. Because think about everything that they read that's in chronological order. So if they say, uh give us the steps of baking a cake from start to finish they have to be able to do that but you know we're gonna our kids might be like we like cake you know cake is good we didn't ask you if you like cake or is cake good we said what do you need to do are we going to preheat the oven are we going to gather the ingredients what kind of cake are you making how long do you have to bake it what kind of pan are you using and so, but we have to get them to that point of doing, of doing something like that. Mm. Because if they don't even think in that way, how can we get them to write in that way? Yeah. Because if, if that's not even their normal thought process, it's impossible for, there's no way to transfer something that you don't know. Now, if there's something that you know, transferring it, of course you can transfer it. But what about the things that you haven't been taught? What about the things you're not exposed to? That's what we have to think about. And that's what makes all the difference in my opinion and from what I've seen. 
And see, you hit on uh, uh, another great point. Um, and I know we about to be coming up on time. So I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm about to keep We can short. do a part two if we need to. We can oh, just get a part two and if we need yeah, to. Yeah, we definitely, because this topic, man, I mean, it is so much to say on that. But one of the things that just struck me right here, and it's just a reminder to my parents, caregivers, grandparents, whomever, the engagement process in terms of having conversations, doing different things with your children, that right there is going to build what you are talking about in our kids in terms of learning how to generate ideas and then being able to express yourself and express yourself in a way in which staying on topic. Because even, even when you talked about like the bird, we're going to go back to the bird example. And then somebody, you know, you talking to, I'm going to get, you know, little, little Khalil about the bird. But then he says, you know, you asking him about, you know, to talk about the bird in, in reference to the text or whatever. And then he remembers about his uncle or whomever has a pet bird. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that because obviously it is, you know, activating prior knowledge or whatever, you know, and I'm saying, so they're thinking about what it is they experience. But like you said, the aspect of bringing them back, the aspect of making sure that they are staying on task, staying on topic and being able to uh, do that in a way where they're talking about things in order, that whole sequencing aspect as well, being able to explain stuff, the cause and effect, all of those different things. But that takes place when you are actually engaging and when you're actually doing different activities with your children. That, that whole baking piece and that those are the things, I mean, you think about it, those are, that's the stuff that's missing that we did grow up on, that we did at least see a lot of us. You know, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm quite sure you got experiences to where you, you know, grandparents, you know, grandma, you know, whoever, you know, baking and, you know, see so you watching them cook, they having you snap some peas or shuck some corn. You know what I'm saying? So right there, I mean, you were just hitting on a lot of different things in which we definitely need to do to start enriching our communities. Again, these are basic things though, that people, they real it's, it's like, you're missing over these things because, and that's why I brought in in terms of like the, the, the technological, I keep bringing that in, the social media, all of these different things that are, you know, and of course, all the just material aspect that, you know, our community has been inundated with. Focus on this, you know, you gotta look like this. You gotta, you gotta have this. You got the new iPhone, uh, 20,000. It's like, oh. <laughs> huh? What are you talking about? I want you to be able to read this paragraph and then be able to write afterwards. Okay, but think about this for a second mm -hmm. from the lens of a parent. Yes. You pick your kids up from school. You might say, how was your day? Your kid might be like, good, right? right. It was all right. Right. But think about this. Your kid gets in a car. Tell me three good things that happened today. Tell me three good things that happened today. So instead of how was your day, tell me three good things that happened. And then as they're telling you, and what made that good? And what did you like about that? That's a conversation, but that's really could be a paragraph by the time they're done. Mm. If that was a journal prompt, tell me about your day. Your child would be able to be like, my day was good. ABC happened. That made me feel great because I like that because in conclusion, I had a good day. Wow. Dang. Think about it. Something as simple as that, because that's all you want. 
that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of times we as families let them off the hook. Mm. We don't force them to really say something else. A lot of times if we're upset, you know, why did you do this? Why would you do that? No, you're going to explain that to me. But I'm saying just generally speaking, but generally speaking, I had conversation with my mom all the time. And my aunt would be cooking. I remember when a little girl, even before I was able to go to school, my aunt would be cooking and I would be in the kitchen with her and we would have the music on and I'd be dancing with her, doing whatever dance my older cousins, her kids were doing and stuff like that. But I mean, did that all the way up until I was a teenager. I did that. So then... I started cooking around 14, like I was cooking the family meals. And so when, because my mother would still be at work. And so I would start the dinner and just things like that. And so I remember when I was about 16, I got a good recipe for a pound cake. So everybody would be like, yeah, make this pound cake. So it's like, I got to make sure this, this pound cake is good. Like my stepdad's friends are coming over and my stepdad is like, yeah, made a cake. I can't have the cake be nasty. Guess what I got to do? And so then, you know, and you know, and then people ask you, well, what did you put? I have to be able to be like, oh, this is the such and such. And I used butter and I sifted the flour. Like I have to be able to say that. And I think sometimes the kids today, they don't have to say so much of that. Like they don't really mm. have to delve deep. And you know, their parents say, that's, he don't talk that much. That's just how he is. He be in there on that game. So we'll say he be in there on that game or he's in there on that phone. But sometimes we allow it. And you know, sometimes we allow that also and so then when it's time for them to write they're like what i'd rather be playing my game like i don't want to do like i don't want to do this i was working with a student and he had a prompt about bullying and it's like why do students bully so he says some people bully because it's fun some people bully because they've been bullied and so i'm like there's more than that he's so he's getting upset there's nothing else there's nothing else. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm like, think deeper. So I'm like, let's web it out. Like, let's let's go all the way back. Let's pre-write. You know what he says? Why do you want to help me? <laughs> Why do you want to help me? Really? I said, because you have to be able to do a thought. You have to be able to express yourself. You have to be able to express yourself. And you care about them. That's obvious. You have to be able to express yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you, what are you going to say? Like, Mm -hmm. these are life skills. Like you have to be able to express yourself. Mm -hmm. I went to the doctor today to bring it real life. I'm at the doctor today. I'm like, listen, so I still have this severe post-nasal drip. I'm like, last week, you all gave me this, this, you told me to do this. I've done all of that. So, and my problem, so I'm like, I was taught to drink tea with lemon and honey, did that. I was taught to gargle with salt water, did that. I'm like, I've taken the Flonade you gave me. I said, you gave me these steroids, took those. I'm still having a problem. So like, what's next? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, have you tried this? I'm like, I've tried triple antibiotic ointment. I've done this. I've done, because these are things that I was taught. These are things that my family has taught me over the years. And so I knew, to try so it was problem solving and then guess what I had to do then I got online I'm like okay maybe there's something else and guess what I'm doing I'm calling other people in my family do you have another remedy for a sore throat do you have another this 
we have to get into, we have to do more of that. You know, we just have to do more of the communication piece because writing is communication. And if we're not going to be able to express ourselves verbally, then we have to be able to express ourselves in writing. And it's just, it's what has to happen. Like, it's just one of those things where we have to do it. But I'm telling you, parents can do like some small tweaks that can yield wonderful results. Mm, like, like, can you give everybody just a couple tips real quick in terms of, because I know you got to get ready. It's just, it's just, just a couple simply, tips they can do. Yeah. It's just simply like, like the example I gave when you asked them about their day. Okay. Okay. So just, that's one. That's, hear that. that's, mm-hmm. them, that's one simple thing. Mm-hmm. And then having them to explain, they love to play these games so much. Have them explain it. Have them mm-hmm. explain to you how to play that game. Because I'm sure if they tell you, you press A and B and you jump. And if you want to do this, you get turbo speed. And if you want to do this, you can do that. Guess what? If they can do that, then they can write those same steps down. If they can do that, then they can sequence. Because if they can show you how to make an avatar, because they definitely can. Goodness, they can. (laughs) And so, so, right. And so with them being able to do that, they can just put that into words. Mm. But make sure that they explain it. Don't be like, yeah, I see what you mean. No, Mm -hmm. I don't see what you mean. Explain it to me. Right. Why am I pushing A and B together? What is that going to do? Even though you know, but you force them to explain them. You force them to use their words. So guess what you just did? You're showing them because if they did more of that, they would be fine with the writing piece. Because the thing is, they learn how to play that game without reading the manual. And that's fine. We're not mad about that. But I'm saying, you really know how to do something if you can explain it to somebody else. So show me. Show me. Explain it to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Things, it's, it's things like that. You know, if you dare cook with your kid or have them in the kitchen while you're cooking, you're going to find out some things about your kid. Because if you try to have them read a recipe or you're like, get the seasoning salt, get this, get that. Okay. Our kids don't even know certain vegetables because they haven't been exposed to it. Or you cook, you know, you do the cooking. Your kids haven't seen it. They just come in. It's a masterpiece. They don't know. (laughs) <laughs> that you had to peel these potatoes before you could boil them, before you could mash them, you know? Exactly. Some people just, they don't know. And I think if we did more of that, those are simple things we can do just to get them busy. And you could just have family writing time, free write. Free you can do a 10, this is 10 minute free write. You can write about anything you want. Nobody's gonna, you don't have to share it, but I would like for you to share it. But guess what? And as you get to looking at that and as they get to doing that, because guess what's happening? I don't care what anybody says. If your brother or your sister got a page and you got two lines, you like, <laughs> and don't let it be somebody younger. Right. It's different if they're older, but when they're younger, because the competition, the natural competition of family sets in. It sets in. All and it's like, it's things like that. You see it all the time. I see it at my family game nights. Mm-hmm. People will be doing something. Oh, what's she doing? I want to do that. Left from clear across the other side of the room because you just felt like your brother was having more fun over here or your cousin was having more fun over here. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I think we have to use that natural competition amongst families 
you know, to to do something because, you know, because as an adult, you're not on it. But a lot of times these siblings and these cousins and everything, these close cousins, they are on it. Because I know you, if, if I see my family doing something, then I at least need to find out what it was about, especially when I was a kid. Because I'm number one, I'm nosy. So, like, I want to know what they're doing, how they're doing it. And then I have to ask them 50,000 questions. And they're like, yeah, go away. And now I'm I'm going so far as to tell if I really want to know and you can't tell me. Because now I feel like you're doing something you don't got no business if you really can't oh, share. Lord. Like, if you rip, I'm just saying, I'm the youngest. <laughs> Oh man, Evan, you are crazy. I'm serious. Oh my God. I'm the youngest, so I'm gonna use by any means necessary. Right. So right. I remember when I wanted to learn how to do backflips, and I know I have to go, and I just like harass my brother. I'm like, you gotta show me how to do a backflip. You gotta show me how to do a backflip. You backflipping out here? I want a backflip. You know, he like, girl, I'm. I wanna look. You flipping? I wanna flip. I don't want to do cartwheels and you doing a backflip. Right. If you back flipping off the porch, Who then didn't I want to learn how to do a backflip. I still couldn't do it, but I yes, doggone it. You want to do it. I could, on. but that's what I'm saying. I wasn't going to leave him alone. He was going to show me, you know, and I'm like, wait, this me. Show me again. Okay, let me see. Okay, let me. I've been that person. I'm still that person now. Right. I've been that person. <laughs> oh, Man, you just bring it in and I just love it because you just reminding us about the joys of just allowing our children to be and enjoy themselves and enjoy our children. They have to feel that energy. I'm telling you, it, a lot comes out of that. A lot yes. comes out of that. I know me and my cousins, we play, we were playing this game called Rummy Cub and my older cousin taught me how to play it. And so like at first, you know, when you don't understand she kicking my butt. Mm. Oh, no, nah, we not having it. We not having it. I got to learn how to play this. Even when with the weed, it got so, so deep with the weed that mm. all of us had remotes. We would go over to the other pe people's houses. We're taking our remotes. Oh, I'm coming. Oh, we're playing Michael Jackson experience or something. But when I tell you, it's just natural competition. Wow. You know, we had the, um, one of my friends bought me like one of the longer sensors and I'm like, I'm not, I'm in the wrong spot. <laughs> and so, uh -huh. yeah, it's just, so I think sometimes we don't use our family enough just to pique yeah. the interest of yes. everybody to do something yeah. and just think about, oh my goodness, I got to go. We need a part two. But, yeah. but I was thinking about even with the with the writing when I did the writing piece when we made the books mm -hmm. and I was looking at the families and then when a little boy got like when my godson got up and when he told his book them other kids was like mm. he then went up there oh no I'm going up there we're going to talk about my book too because mm. <laughs> remember my godson had the confidence he five he went up wow. there and he was telling his story That's <laughs> and then up. you but you saw what the other families did Mm. people weren't like I don't want to show my stuff right right exactly. people did it mm -hmm. and so I think that's what we have to think about the encouragement yeah. is everything because remember when I did that I told them they could write about whatever they like I didn't go around critiquing um you didn't stay on topic um I don't see a capital letter right. um where's your right. period um you should put an exclamation point there right. I didn't do that right 
I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And so I think those are just some things we can do. Mm -hmm. Just let it naturally unfold. Yep. We got to just let it naturally unfold. I have to go. I'm sorry. Oh my goodness. This was, just, oh, this was, yeah, we definitely, you are we going can, to have to come back. We can get back on. We we can get back on. Cause I can talk about writing all day, just like reading. It's all literacy. I love it's it all. all literacy. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, we appreciate you, Ebony, so much. Thank you. And I want to, I definitely tell you about your literacy night. When is that again? I'm going to have one September 16th, which is Friday. Okay. It's going to be from four o'clock to six o'clock at the mm -hmm. Collinwood Recreation Center. Did I say from four o'clock to seven? Uh, I think you said six. Is it, is it's, it's from four o'clock to seven o'clock at the Collinwood Rec Center, 16300 Lakeshore Boulevard. The event is free, but you must RSVP. Okay. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. And... Thank you all for listening. And I want you all to remember to please keep reading for at least 30 minutes a day. Thank you, Ebony, so much once again for being my guest on Real Reading Talk for the umpteenth time. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you are so day. welcome. Have a bye -bye. blessed day. Okay, bye-bye. Oh my goodness, you guys. I told y'all already know, but those of you who have listened to my previous conversations that I've had with Ebony, y'all already know she was going to bring it what I tell you once again she brought it again and she was just giving some great tips on how we can start getting our families back together again in creating these awesome experiences for our young people which is going to generate ideas which can help them with their writing I mean, just simple stuff. I mean, it was like she was talking and it was just making us go down memory lane. I know that's how I felt. And I, this is what I want to happen. This is what I love to see happen. I want you all to really uh, get, go back into getting those tools that a lot of us were raised with, especially like I said, in that 40 and over group, okay? We were raised with being having those uh, constant engagements and and conversations and spending time with our family. And we already know that the phones, the tablets, the computers is contributing to a lot of us not having those healthy interactions, but we can be intentional and make those changes, all right? And of course, again, I'm speaking to myself first, we have to, our children need it, we need it as adults, all right? All right, so now again, I wanna uh, remind you all that if you all are looking for a pre-k through fourth grade reading tutor for your babies uh, it's still the beginning of the school year however you do not want to wait until the middle of the school year and definitely for dog on sure you don't want to wait to the end of the school year to get them the help that you know you see them need so please go to my website abclearntutoring.com click on that free reading assessment and yes i am a certified dyslexia tutor and I also tutor online. And for my Ohio people, I am also a provider for Learning Ohio, okay? And I'm also a, an ACE provider, okay? So if you have that scholarship, uh, please make sure um, that you, you need, you're looking for a tutor for your pre-K through fourth grade baby, please check me out. 
And I'm also the founder and executive director of ABC Read, and that is a nonprofit 501c3 organization. And our mission is to develop and nurture a culture of literacy in black and underserved communities. And so we've been doing that by giving away new or gently used books that primarily represents black people, culture, and experiences. I have a book right here next to me right here to show you all what I'm talking about. Just like this title here, The Resistance, Persistence, and Resilience of Black Families Raising Children with Autism. These are the types of books that I get, all right? Especially to, you know, my families out there who, you know, who have a, a family member who is autistic. Uh, you know, a lot of times when you think of autism, you know, and, and it comes to resources and the help, you don't really see uh, our uh, babies getting that help that they need, all right? Or when it comes to autism, you don't see our children you know, being represented in that way in which we have our own set of unique needs. Uh, so that's why I'm intentional about making sure we get books that address and that talk about the Black experience as well. So if you want to donate to our organization, please go to our website, abcread.org. You can look on there and see all the different things that we've been doing since 2014, and you can make a gracious donation or you can just simply donate to the Cash App, dollar sign, ABC Read. And also make sure that you subscribe to my YouTube channel, Reading is Freedom. I've been seeing the subscribership uh, increasing, so I appreciate you guys for uh, going on the channel and I'm hoping that you all are loving those read-alouds and make sure that you like, subscribe, and share, and give some comments too. Make sure you engage as well. And of course, with the podcast, Real Reading Talk, all right? Share this podcast, okay, please. I'm doing this for our people, all right? Y'all know how it is. It's hard for us to have that actual real talk that deals with our community issues, okay? And so I'm intentional about that. So I appreciate the support, the love, and all of the above, all right? And uh, so I'm going to leave you all with, again, I showed you all, this is one of the books that I've been reading. So I, I always like to uh, just share with you all about the uh, different books that I've been reading. So this is one of them. I've also been reading another book by Dr. Ivory Tolson, and it's called Talking About Bad Statistics. A lot of statistics that we hear about out there about Black people in terms of high incarceration. He even talked about higher literacy and a lot of their recordings that they do, they intentionally, uh, you know, do this research to make it seem as though we are just like, you know, everything is just so horrible on purpose. Yes, we do have issues and yes, they have to be addressed. However, he is a researcher and he has done his homework and talking about how to, uh, number one, you know, how they're doing their research to make it seem as though that we are just, you know, we're not doing well at all. But in fact, you know, we are doing well in, in certain things as well, but we still have work to do. Okay. So with all that being said, I have a quote and actually the quote that I have, let me see, what quote do I have? Hold up. <laughs> um, quote, quote, quote. Let's see. Um, how about I say this? I've said this plenty of times because I did not find a quote in front of me. So I'm just going to say this right now. Uh, reading is not optional, okay? I've said this before, but this is something that we have to be reminded of. That was from Walter Dean Myers. Uh, he has passed on. 
and he was a famous African-American author. And he said reading is not optional and that is the attitude that we have to take with reading and with writing as well. Okay, I said a mouthful. That was almost like a 10 minute outro. All right, oh, whatever. All that being said, I thank you all for listening. Please make sure you share and please make sure that you are being the example for your children. Reading every day, being intentional about reading in front of them and reading with them as well. Conversations as well. Talking about the experiences as well. Hey, y'all, we can do this together, y'all. I'm serious. So let's keep it going, all right? Let's keep uplifting each other. All right, y'all. Take care. My name is Miss Sasha. This is Real Reading Talk, episode 36, season two. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.